What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for the Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a very special edition as I am joined by Michael Simeone, SP streamer on Twitter. You guys already know him. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You uh, you just had a good Thanksgiving like we were talking off air. You had uh, got some good food into you? Yeah, yeah. As we we're saying, I made a... I made like 96 raviolis <laughs> uh, from scratch. I did the turkey and because I host Thanksgiving and uh, it all came out good. I mean, no one's going to lie to your. I mean, people are going to lie to your face anyway, but <laughs> from what I heard, it was good. <laughs> yeah, ravioli is tough. My mom makes ravioli every now and again, and it's it's not easy. It's a long process. And I know she's gone through a few times of making it where it's been pretty bad uh i hope she's not listening to this to hear that but there's been a couple times where, <laughs> a couple times where it hasn't come out the greatest and then you know it takes uh takes a bit of time to really uh truly get the hang of making pasta making anything really uh before we yeah. get going uh you guys follow michael on twitter at sp streamer i am at joe orico 99 and also check out our other fantasy baseball content at ethos fantasy bb we're going to be reviewing the top tier of starters from 2022 not necessarily like I told Michael uh, based on the ADP numbers that we've seen so far this year. This is more so going to be, we're going to look forward as well, but this is going to be a review of what happened in 2022. We'll mention their ADPs so far in these early draft champions. And we'll talk about if we think they are generally right or not. Uh, the first guy we're going to mention the top of the list is Justin Verlander. Uh, he was pretty clearly the SP one this year, regardless of what format uh, you played in. Michael, first of all, do you think um, my, we're going to see Verlander have another season like this? Uh, where do you think he will be next year? What's, uh, what are your thoughts on Verlander here initially? Uh, yeah, he's tough for me because I'm very, like, ageist, I guess you could call it. <laughs> um, when it comes to pitchers getting older, I, I always tend to stay away or I don't view them uh, as valuable as most most other people do. Um, it's hard to say he's not going to pitch well because when has he not pitched well and forever um you know it's basically just the age thing and you know will he get injured at some point um but yeah I mean he was easily I mean yeah number one pitcher in fantasy last year because he had that ridiculous ERA sub two ERA sub one with uh he just can't can't beat those numbers um I so I think it's interesting that his strikeout rate was going up in the second half compared to the first half. Uh, so maybe he was starting to get into the swing of things more. But even so, with that, it still was his lowest uh, strikeout rate since 2017 for a season. So I'm just wondering if that's going to continue to start to be a trend now, where the strikeouts aren't going to be as many. Um, but I mean, when you get ratios like he provided, it's hard not to like that. Um, I currently has him, have him as like a top 15, top 12 starting pitcher. I'm, I don't know where he's going in terms of DCs. Um, uh, 48. 48 is ADP right now. Overall? Overall, 48. Uh, the, 18th, yeah. the 18th pitcher off the board. Sure. But that includes relievers. That includes relievers. So it's Classe and Diaz and Hendricks are the guys going ahead of him. So I believe he is the 15th SP oh, wow. off the board. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm actually higher on him than most. Okay, interesting. Uh, I would not have thought that. I would think so. I would have thought more people put him top 10. Oh, oh you but... know what? Hater as well. I missed Hater in there as well. So bump all right. one more All step. right, I'm close. All right. <laughs> so, uh, but all right. So I guess I'm right on uh, consensus then. So, yeah, um, I think he's going to have a solid season, obviously. I mean, 
I would be shocked if he had a ERA over like three five. But it's just a matter of you know, can he stay healthy? How many innings? And just hoping that that cliff isn't there where he just falls right off it. Yeah, there's been a lot of people who've mentioned this that he's not a guy where the ego will allow him to go out there and pitch to like a five plus ERA and just kind of be ushered out the back door in his career. I don't think that's what he wants. Uh, that being said, though, I think we could still see, like you said, a top 10 kind of SP, close to top 10 kind of SP season from him. I'd be a little worried about drafting him any higher than 48. I think if you're getting him at the beginning of the fourth round, that's that's all right. But in like the third round, it feels a little bit risky still uh, if you're, if you're going to be jumping up that high. The minimum pick on him is 32. Yeah, I think he's got to be he's got to be your SP2 if you grab like if you want to start off starter starter, then I can see you grabbing him as your SP2. So like let's say you start off with uh Burns and then you go yeah. Verlander or Cole Verlander, then that makes a lot more sense to me because you have that solid number 1 who you know is going to be out there throwing an inch just in case. Um so I could see that. I could I could see taking him um as long as he's your SP2, though. Is there anywhere that you think that he is, like, do you think he's going to go back to Houston? Do you think he might end up going to the, there's, the last thing I saw was the Dodgers were talking with him. Uh, what, what do you expect there? Do you have any expectations? Um, I, yeah, I mean, he's going to go to a winning organization at this age because I feel like he's just going to want to keep winning. I don't think there's any other reason, to, you know, he's not going to go to, you know, I don't know. Pittsburgh, but um but uh yeah i think i think he'll end up with one of the the big teams either go back to houston or if he goes to the dodgers uh something like that yeah i think probably the most likely spot is houston i thought there was a chance that if he won the world series he might just retire like what else is he playing for at this point you know maybe he yeah wants, maybe he wants 300 wins but uh, like what is he at right now for the career two two forty four? 244 I mean, it's hard to Hard to retire when you're coming off that season too. That yeah. yeah, it's just like how do you even beat that? Anything else is going to be a disappointment. You know, a sub two ERA, a Cy Young, a World Series. I thought there was a chance, but it looks like he's gonna he's gonna be back. He'll be maybe the Tom Brady of uh, of the MLB for the next couple of years. We'll see what he can do. But the next guy we're going to talk about is Sandy Alcantara. He was, you know, I think depending on where you play, he was likely the SP2 uh, for the season. What he gave you was 14 wins in 228 innings. Uh, he was he was incredible. Now, a lot of the concerns with him that people have or that a lot of his value is is volume-based. Is he somebody that you are in on drafting next season? Currently, as, uh, ADP of 26. Yeah, he's going as like a top three pitcher i think right uh, something like that i mean yeah Four. he's the third I mean, depending on how you count otani otani's technically first but yeah the third uh, straight up pitcher off the board yeah um yeah i mean i i'm a little more reluctant to go with him uh, i have him at seven um but it's not that big of a difference and it's just because you know he's got that amazing power sinker he's like a fully developed pitcher you know is there's no holes in his game the only hole is that the strikeout rate isn't there and it's basically never going to be there at this point some people thought that you know uh i think it was less i think it was 2021 at the end of the season he had a big uptick in strikeout rate and people thought that he was finally taking that step uh but he didn't you know the entire 2022 season his strikeout was only 23 percent 
So um, it's still good, but it's obviously those strikeouts. You need Sandy to pitch 200 innings for him to be a value where he's going. And there's no reason to believe that he won't because yeah. he's always done it. He's always been healthy, but it's always a possibility. Injuries are unpredictable. So in my opinion, I just feel like, why am I going to spend, you know, a first, second round pick on him when if he gets injured and he only goes – let's say 170 innings, he's not going to be worth that pick. So um, I think he's just so volume-based that it makes him very risky. And he was amazing last season. And I think that that's the only way – you're basically taking him at a ceiling right now, which just doesn't make any sense to you. You're trying to draft where you could gain some kind of profit. Um, But at the same time, his floor is extremely high. So I, I do get it in that sense too. But yeah, I just think I think there's definitely some risk there. And um I think it's just uh he's gonna be too expensive for my taste. Yeah, I think there are some guys, specifically like DeGrom, if you're looking for somebody, and I know DeGrom comes with his own set of risks, but he has a lot higher uh, per game value. Let's say DeGrom only yes. pitches a hundred and hundred and ten innings or so. Wait, well, let me put it to you like this. Would you rather have let's call it hundred and twenty DeGrom innings or hundred and eighty Alcantara innings? Oh, that's so close. <laughs> that's tough. Um, well, I mean, you got to figure replacement value that you could find for DeGrom. It would yeah. pro- you would probably end up profiting off DeGrom more than Sandy there. So I I guess I would lean DeGrom. Yeah, so that's hard. A, but DeGrom that's... is just so ridiculously good. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with him. And he's going uh, about 10 picks later, pick 35. Uh, he right. is the eighth starting pitcher off the board, which is still kind of rich considering everything. Uh, but the next guy here, unless you have thoughts on uh, DeGrom, you want to get in real quick. Julio Urias is the next guy I want to talk about. But do you have anything else uh, to add on DeGrom there first? I was just going to say DeGrom's another pitcher where I would take him if I'm starting pitcher, pitcher. And if I had Cole or like I, I did do a draft, a uh, a draft and hold league. And I, I started off with, um, I think I had, I started with Cole. And I really wanted to get DeGrom, but he got taken right before me. And I ended <laughs> up with Strider, which isn't bad either. No, um, that's, that's but yeah, I, I just think those guys, like, in my opinion, I feel like DeGrom, Strider, um, I, I think you need to, or like a Verlander, you need to pair them with a really, really good anchor uh, just because they bring more risk, risk to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. As for your eyes, though, uh, it's crazy. He, I feel like everyone just looks the other way with him for some reason every year. Um, I think he's the ERA leader in the past two years combined. Uh, I mean, a 2-1-2 ERA last season. Um, in the last two seasons, oh, no, I'm sorry. In his last 495.1 innings, he has a 2-6-3 ERA, which is wow. absurd. <laughs> so he's just insanely, insanely consistent. Talk about high floor. He's basically, um, I want to say, like, if he started getting the innings, he's essentially what he could be Sandy, essentially, if he gets those innings. Um, so I feel like you could probably wait later for him if you want that type of guy and just take a shot and hope he hits like 190, 200 innings, which is possible with him. Um, have- so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not. Do you have any worry, like, when you look at the uh, pitching indicators, they're a little bit higher specifically this year, like a 371 FIP, 381 X FIP. Does that worry you that he's well, going to come, crash, come crashing down a bit? Well, that's just because he's not a high strikeout pitcher and 
those metrics tend to lean towards higher strikeout pitchers. I mean, Sandy is the same thing. I mean, Sandy Sierra is three, four, uh, whereas Julio Rice is three, six. So, um, you know, I think I, I, I get it, but I, it doesn't worry me too much personally, because again, I mean, ERA indicators can say what they want to say, but when a guy's done it for 495 innings, how can you really go against it? Um, you know, and it's just, I, I, can he take a step back? Sure, it's possible, but it's hard to go against him when he's just been so consistent. My worry is that people are maybe looking a little bit too closely at the win total. You know, 37 wins over the last two years. Uh, you're going to get a lot more wins when you're pitching for the Dodgers. But that's such a, a volatile stat that I don't think that, you know, he's he's a good pitcher. I think he's a very good pitcher, and you can even argue like he's a great pitcher. Uh, but I've seen a lot of arguments for him that are based on the fact that he's won 37 games over the last two years. And that's not something that could be so sticky. He might win 12 games next year. He might win 13. So uh, that's just something that I've noticed. As, as a, a, a big argument that people will make. Uh, wins, wins, wins. But uh, they don't always come the way you, you might expect. Uh, still, he's he's been great yeah. during that period, 257 ERA as well. But uh, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little cautious personally uh, about Urias. I don't know if I really want to take him where he's going in the third round. He might be uh, a guy, like you said, pair with another pitcher in per- personally, because I just feel a little bit less uh, secure in taking him. Uh, any other thoughts on Urias before we move on though? No, just that you're right. Wins are the most <clears throat> unpredictable stat out there. So uh, you're hundred percent right about that. He just happens to, get a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you can't, you can't rely on that. at all. Yeah. Uh, next guy we're going to talk about is somebody that I am. I'm a Toronto Homer. If you guys listen to the show regularly, you know that I tend to favor the Toronto players specifically when they are as good as Alec Manoa has been in his career so far. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just too stupidly a huge fan to even weigh in really fantasy wise. I love him so much. I think that he is so undervalued where he's going in the sixties you know, fourth, fifth round pick. What do you think about uh, Manoa? Am I, am I crazy to love him so much? <laughs> no, I get it. Um, you know, I think uh, he's just the full package. Um, I just don't know if like, I just don't know if he's going to ever get more. Str- we like for, we would like for him to get more strikeouts for fantasy, real life, fantastic pitcher, obviously also a good fantasy pitcher. I just don't think he's, I don't know if he's ever going to be that ace, but um yeah, I mean, he was really good last year. I mean, he had four pitches all that performed really well and that he knows how to utilize really well. Um, I just think his ceiling is capped a little bit. But, you know, I and it's I know people have mentioned it. It's not just because it looks for me, but he does kind of remind me of Lance Lynn, um, where I think he's just going to be a really solid pitcher, uses what are his best pitches, know, knows how to use them. And we'll always have really good ratios. Um, but I just think that the strikeout rate will cap his upside. This is not something analytical, but you just watch him pitch as much as I have. And I'm sure as much of a lot of people who love pitching have. And he just has something that the stats will yeah. not tell you. Uh, even just watching the All-Star game, I've mentioned this a few times over the last few months. He was mic'd up, you know, having chatter in his ear from John Smoltz and everybody else telling him what pitch to throw and he's bantering back. He's being funny and he struck out the side. Like the dude just yeah. has something. And even though, you know, the indicators were a little bit higher, I mean, 224 ERA, uh, 335 FIP, like you were talking about the strikeouts, the lack of strikeouts might cause that. 
Uh, but I have no problem jumping even a little ahead of this ADP uh, personally for Manoa. He's at 65, so beginning of the fifth round in a 15-teamer. I wouldn't mind taking him at the end of the fourth, uh, depending on what your team looks like. I'm I'm a huge fan. Like I prefaced, uh, fairly biased on Manoa, uh, but I, I think the dude is a complete stud. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, some guys you just watch and they just, you know, they're just different on the mound. Like a Scherzer, you know, they just have like yeah. that attitude about them or, you know, that grit about them. And I definitely see that with Manoa as well. Yeah, the dude's incredible. Uh, talking about incredible, though, the next guy we are going to mention is Shohei Otani. Uh, just strictly talking about the pitching side, uh, he had a legit case. A lot of years you'd look back on this year, uh, he had a 15-9 and record, 233 ERA. He could legitimately, looking back, could have won a Cy Young in a different year. Uh, do you think that we're going to continue to see him? I mean, he's he's gotten better as a pitcher over these last couple of years. Is this kind of a peak year for him? Do you think he can get better? Is he going to get worse? What are your expectations for Otani? Oh man, I think he's just, this is how good he is. I, I almost, I mean, selfishly as someone who likes pitchers, I wish he, wish he didn't hit because <laughs> he, I feel like he could easily win multiple Cy Youngs, this guy. Yeah. Um, strikeout rates, ridiculous. The stuff is just so good. Um, he doesn't really get hit hard. His slider and splitter are just amazing. Um, my only issue with him is that he also hits and, that just increases injury risk tenfold because he's playing two different positions. Yeah. Um, but I, there's like no holes to poke when it comes to his pitching because throws ridiculously fast, has great breaking balls and gets a ton of strikeouts. It's just, you know, his innings are going to be capped because he plays offense yeah. um, and the angels like to go six man, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, can't hate on him. I mean, I know in Yahoo leagues he's a pitcher only, hitter only. Yeah. So as a pitcher only, I mean, I still, I mean, you could take him as a top twenty starter, honestly, and I couldn't hate on it. Um, it's just the injury risk that you got to be careful. Of. Yeah, the thing with Otani is, like you said, on Yahoo, and I like to talk a lot about Yahoo. I think NFBC formats are, you know, the dominant format that are talked about in a lot of podcasts. But a lot of people do play Yahoo. Uh, in their rankings, he was sixteenth overall. As a pitcher, just as a pitcher alone, mm -hmm. uh, he finished as the 16th overall player. And I'm just pulling up what he was as a hitter. I think he was slightly worse. He had 19th as a batter, six, two separate <laughs> versions of him. They're both top so 20 ridiculous. players. <laughs> both top 20 players. And there is a, an, an increase for risk, especially with a guy who is playing the last couple of years, 150 plus games. Uh, he's not playing the field, sure, but he has to go through all the pitching warmups, take batting practice and all the rest of it. There is certainly a risk. And where he's going in drafts right now, he's 6.8, call it 7 by uh, ADP. It's not without its risks. It's, you know, he goes down on one side of the ball, he's down on the other side as well. So I, I'm not, I don't love him in the middle of the first round. Would you take him in the middle of the first round? Oh, you know, I, I wouldn't, but that's just a, a mental block I have because I can't grasp the concept of how to use him properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like, I don't know. It would drive me insane because I would put him as a hero one week and then he would dominate his start that week and, and then watch him not do much as a hitter and it would just drive me crazy. So I pretty much refuse to touch him. Um, but I 100% am behind it. I can totally see it if you know how to use him right and happen to use him uh you know in the right put him where he should be in the right moments then it makes complete sense because he's easily 
a top player. I mean, yeah, it's like you said, <laughs> um, the, the, the six man rotations that they do there. I don't know that he's, has he ever had a two start week for fantasy before? I don't know. No. He, I don't know that he has. Uh, so you're pretty, so. you're pretty much, if you're taking him in an NFBC league, you're just going to be using him as a batter. So unless you're looking at like a juicy Oakland matchup on the mound and they're maybe playing a five game week, then, then you throw him in there as a pitcher. Right. But for the most part, you're losing all of his pitching value. 28 starts this year. I wonder people who took him, how many of those starts they actually got him in the starting lineup yeah. for. So definitely uh, something to consider. Uh, next guy we are going to talk about here is Zach Gallen. I am not a gallon gal. I think that that phrase, phrase gets thrown around a little bit too much in terms of Gallon's fans, but I definitely am a huge Zach Gallon fan. Uh, do you uh, do you agree with uh, my well, maybe not my assertion, but are you a fan of Zach Gallon? As I as I butcher my phrase in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, they had the Houston pitching coach come over, and I feel like they he made Gallon even better than what he already was because I loved him before that. Even anyway, I mean, it was really just health stuff that you know he was battling the past couple seasons, but. Um, you know, his first fully healthy season and look what he does. He goes 108 innings with a two, four, six ERA. Um, he had that one crazy six game stretch where he didn't even allow a single earned run. He had five starts uh, with double digit strikeouts. You know, he just the reason why he's so good, too, is he has such a deep arsenal and so many pitches he could go to. And then on top of that, he has really, really good command, too. So he's really just a full package. And if he could continue to stay healthy, I think he's, you know, he's going to sustain his success because I really don't see much, um, much there to think that he will uh, not perform like this again, moving to next season. Um, especially like, I mean, I know that the Sierra shows a 3.28, but, um, and so is the XFIP essentially, but you kind of go in the middle of those two and that shows him having like a high two ERA, which is, insanely good you're muted and i was on looking at a fan graphs page <laughs> not even realized of course uh pulling rookie mistakes there yeah his uh his price was pretty mute uh pretty muted his price was well it was kind of muted uh this last season he was going around like pick 150 uh <laughs> and you know a lot of people jumped on that took advantage of him and i think with the dot uh, with the diamondbacks they are a team that is just up and coming they're going to keep getting better and better they had a 20 21 win jump from uh last season to this season and then next year it probably won't be another 20 and it almost certainly won't uh but they're a team where he is going to be the sp1 and they are looking like they could make a little bit of noise uh, i think maybe they could be uh, a borderline playoff team next season i think and gallon would be uh, a big reason for that uh tony gonsolin is the next guy i wanted to touch on now he's not somebody where you'd think you're doing a show of the like elite pitchers in the league Typically, you're not going to hear that, but we're going through based on 2022 value. And he was, you know, exactly that. He was one of the best pitchers in the league, 214 ERA. He had a 16 and 1 record, which is just ridiculous. I know that win loss is kind of overblown a little bit, but 16 and 1. He only threw 130 innings. But what do you think about Tony Gonsolin going forward? I'm, for one, am a, a little bit nervous about drafting him this year. Yeah, I mean, I'd be a little nervous just because uh, he, too, someone has always had health issues. Um, but, and then, you know, metrics really show big-time regression. Um, he, too, also, though, isn't a very high strikeout pitcher. Um, but I really like his stuff, so it's kind of hard for me to 
move away from him and because he has two really good breaking balls. Um, the four seam is not good, unfortunately, and that's pretty much his crutch. Uh, but he seems to be able to work around that, and that's because he works for an organization who's really good at getting the most out of their pitchers. Um, but with that said, I mean, in the last two seasons, he's pitched over 200 innings to 2.44 ERA. So again, another pitcher just has so much success, and it's hard to kind of go against that. Um, I could see him settling in at like a th- low three ERA with a good, decent strikeout rate. Um, but then the innings are just a concern. So I think that lowers his value a little bit. Uh, but besides that, I personally think he's pretty solid. You know, it doesn't let up a lot of home runs. He's just good at what he does. He's actually a little bit cheaper than I thought. Uh, he's going to pick 163, uh, the 66th total pitcher off the board. That feels, I mean, I was expecting a lot higher before I, I took a look at that. I was thinking he'd be closer to the top 100. Uh, but at that range, it really doesn't hurt. He's going a couple picks after Chris Sale. I, personally, I would rather take Tony Gonsolin uh, very, pretty, yeah. easy, pretty easily there. Uh, he's going behind Pablo Lopez, uh, Jesus Lazardo, Luis, uh, Lucas Giolito. I thought he'd be a little bit higher than those guys personally, but I guess people are factoring in. You know, he had 207 BABIP. He left 84% of runners on base. Uh, it might not be the prettiest, but it should still be, you know, probably worth that price anyway. Uh, looking at this, maybe it changes a little bit. There's still a long way to go before the season, but if he stays in that range, it's not, it's not terrible. Um, next yeah. guy we're going to talk about, and this actually, maybe I'll bring up the question that we had from our friend Eric Cross. Well, maybe not even, a, it wasn't even really a question. It was more of a statement. Uh, McClanahan overseas. They are the next two guys we are going to talk about here. What's your take on this debate between these two guys? Their value was fairly similar overall this season. Your thoughts. Yeah, um, they're both super close for me. Um, I could, uh, like, I feel like if I had multiple drafts, I would take McClanahan and some and then Cease and some others. Um, Both amazing stuff. So McClanahan was, I would lean McClanahan because he had that stretch where he was absolutely dominant, like ridiculous, over 35% strikeout rate. Um, just an insane first half. And then, you know, the shoulder injury came and I felt like he, I felt like they kind of rushed him back too early. Um, and he just wasn't the same when he came back. So I don't think he was truly healthy. And then, and he had those couple bad starts. Um, but it's hard to poke holes with him because his stuff is very, very good. Um, like Cease, I mean, they both throw really fast, um, you know, good velocity. They both have really good stuff, good breaking balls. I think Cease might potentially have a little bit better stuff, but the problem with Cease is his command. It's gotten better to the point where he's actually a good pitcher now, but I don't know if he'll ever get to that point where I think he'll be like a top two pitcher um, just because he still struggles at times and he does kind of give give up too many walks. You know, his walk rate is still over 10%, which isn't great. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if he has been improving it since he's come up, but I don't know if it's ever going to get to that point where it's good enough for him to be like considered a top two pitcher in the league. So with that said, McClanahan does have very good stuff too. And I think he has actually does have good command. So I think McClanahan could easily, could become a top two pitcher moving forward. 
And um, yeah, I think he's going to come into this season healthy and he's just going to be as dominant as he was uh, before his injury. Yeah, the thing with McClanahan, and I've, it's been a popular topic, people talking about why McClanahan wasn't good or uh, maybe he's just you know not as good as we thought he was earlier in the year. Those last couple of starts, or the ones that were the, the problematic ones, against Toronto and Houston, four and runs, five and runs, and somebody made the point of, you know, if those starts are just mixed in, let's call, let's say one of them's in May, one of them's in August, and he still ends up where he ended up with the 2-5 ERA, are we even caring at that point? If it does it even matter, uh, you know, it looks bad because it's kind of the last thing that we're remembering. Uh, the end right. of the season was not the greatest, but he was all right in his playoff start. Uh, I, I, I'm agreeing with you there where I don't see really much need to be concerned about him. Uh, when I did my initial starting pitcher rankings for the season, which need to be updated, because uh, I did them right at the end of the regular season, he was my SP2. Uh, and mm-hmm. a couple people thought that it was crazy. I think it, I think it's probably, I think it's probably okay. And they're going to move around a little bit, but he's being drafted as the SP five right now or mm-hmm. uh, six. He's the SP six. And uh, yeah, Cease is the SP four. And that's excluding Otani from the conversation. So with it, mm-hmm. when talking about picks, it's the same thing, 30 and 31. Uh, but it, it's pretty close with Cease. Do you think he could be like a league average walk rate kind of guy? You think he can get to eight, seven, eight percent, or is that too much to ask? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And it's the big question. I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess we will see. Um, because again, like I said, he has improved it. His command was wor- even worse the, the years prior. But um, if he does, then I think Cease can definitely be in the conversation next season of, you know, uh, Cole and Burns. But, um, you know, it's a big if we I, it's, you know, it's not something you could really predict, honestly. Um, you just gotta, you know, I guess hope you hit on it, but, um, that's why I'm inclining him above him. I think he's a, a tad safer. And, uh, to your point too, I mean, think about it, if those bad starts happened at the beginning of the year, right? Like, let's say his first couple starts were the bad ones yeah. and then he dominated this, the rest of the season, he would probably be a top three <laughs> SP yeah. right now. So yeah. like, you're right. It's, there's definitely a recency bias there. and just because it was at the end of the season, everyone thinks that that's going to be him moving forward. But you got to realize too, the, you know, uh, in 2021, he was showing signs of being an elite pitcher also. So yeah. um, I think, I think he's a pretty, pretty safe bet to, to be a top five uh, starting pitcher. I have him as my SP three. Okay. There's also the talk always of the Rays are going to be the Rays and the innings are going to be limited, but even with the injury, he got up to 166 this year. I could see him touching 180. He, he pitched seven innings a lot last yeah. season. Yeah. A lot. And I think that I'm not worried about that. To their credit, I don't think they let him go past 100 pitches very often. I think for the most part, he was topping out in the 90s. Uh, so they weren't going crazy with him, you know, 115, 120 pitches a start. They were being cautious in their own way. And I think it did pay off and will continue to pay off. I uh, could see, assuming he's healthy, you know, another 30 starts or close to it and, 100 and close to 180 innings, I think. Uh, one more guy I wanted to talk about here today is Corbin Burns. He's pretty safe. He's the SP1 uh, by ADP. He's going at pick 14.89. It's kind of interesting. No one's really taken pitchers in the first round this season. Uh, his minimum pick was nine, but for the most part, uh, pitchers are being avoided. Are you a big Corbin Burns fan? Are you drafting him with confidence here at the end of the first? What are your thoughts in general? 
Yeah, um, it's hard to go to go against Burns. I mean, I did have someone point out to me, and which I I knew about was his last couple of months. He kind of fell off, and they were asking me if I was worried about it. So I looked into it, and I didn't find anything that led me to believe that that could continue. Like he didn't lose velocity, his movement didn't change on his pitches. Like everything was the same. I think he just got a little bit unlucky, but um, and then plus he's never pitched 200 innings before. So I, I still have a lot of confidence in him, um, you know, still one of the best, you know, in the league in terms of ERA predictors, um, you know, he has three pitches with a swing strike percentage over 19%, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's just such a good complete pitcher. And I feel like there's no reason to not be confident in, in him anymore. Um, and I think that's why him and Cole are just by far the number one and two. They're just both, so consistent, so good. And um, I know Cole Zeray wasn't elite this year, but you know you're going to be getting 190, 200 innings from them. And, um, you know, the strikeouts are going to be above and beyond, and they're just going to be solid. So I had Cole when I did my initial rank. I had him third behind McClanahan, just a little bit of worry about how he's performed down the stretch. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'll just touch on, on Cole uh, really quickly. Um, you have you have Burns one and Cole two. Is that how you have them? Or I've Cole one, Burns two. You have Cole one. Okay, so he is he is firmly your SP one. You don't have uh, any worry really going down the stretch like he has these last couple of seasons. Like if you're in a head to head league, uh, he hasn't really helped you so much uh, in your playoffs these last couple of years. Is that just just nonsense bullshit? You don't care, or is that something to think about? Well, so I think one for one last season, I think he was definitely unlucky. I mean, like I said, I mean, his era indicators are, uh, you know, absurd, like the top level, Um, you know, like Sierra XFIP all under three and just showing that he's, you know, definitely had some bad luck last season. Plus his home run per nine was abnormal and um, that home run for fly ball rate too. I just, I don't think that's going to stick. I don't think he's going to have as much of a home run issue as he did last season. Um, which is kind of weird because it was opposite for everybody else. No one basically had home run issues uh, because of the ball. But um, yeah, I just, I think so. Cole has just been so good for so long. And when you're trying to take a starter, I feel like you're trying to take the guy, especially early on, you want a starter who has, a very, very high floor. And I, th- I think we saw like the worst season we'll see from Cole, which is really good. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, like a three, five year isn't amazing, but like for that to be the worst outcome you're going to get from him, but you're still getting a ton of strikeouts. You're still getting 200 innings. Um, I just think he's super, super safe. And and nothing fell off from him compared to the previous years. Like he still has his velocity. He's still striking people out as much as he did. Um, he still has a ton of vertical movement on his pitches. You know, there's just there's uh, there's nothing in his profile that's showing to me at least that regression is coming. So I I think this was just an abnormal weird season for him. And I think he's going to be sub three year right. And I think he's a very safe bet to be a sub three year right. Yeah, I think that he is still absolutely one of the most elite pitchers you can take. In terms of the whole like first round pitcher argument, um, is that these guys? I know you're, you're one, number one and number two SPs, but if it gets to pick fourteen and pick fifteen, are are they guys you're taking, or would you rather wait a little bit, go for one of your 
SP3, SP4 kind of guys. What's your thought there at the end of the first round? Yeah, I mean, me personally, if I'm at the end of the first round, I'm taking a pitcher. Uh, I'm actually starting pitcher, pitcher. Um, I'm kind of going different way than everyone else is. Um, and I think I understand what the way the landscape is, but I think with the changes, with the shifts and, um, you know, the what if they go back to more happy balls, you want to call it? And what if they want to, you know, I feel like they want more offense to happen, MLB. And I think they're going to do things to make that happen. And when something like that is going to happen, I feel like I want the best of the best pitchers then because those pitchers who were good last season might not be so good this season. And that the I think the starter pool might not be as deep as we think. Um, that's just my own opinion. I know a lot of really, really good fantasy players. I've seen their drafts already and they're not taking starting pitching too early. Um, the way into like the fourth round, basically. But me personally, I mean, it's different. If you're in the beginning of the draft, I get it. Like I'm going to take a hitter, but if I'm towards the end, I, I personally would like to be starting pitcher, pitcher and definitely going pitcher in the first round. Yeah, I I don't have any problem with that. I personally, I think that there are just so many great hitters to take in the first couple of rounds. And there are certain categories that are really going to dry up your home runs, your stolen bases, your batting average in particular, uh, not really so much home runs, more stolen bases, batting average that are going to be gone. And you're still looking like I mean, if I'm looking down the ADP numbers here, I'm seeing guys uh, that we mentioned you're seeing that are pretty, pretty affordable. Zach Gallon, I pick 75. Mm. Uh, we didn't mention it, but Kevin Gosman at pick seven or 69 on average. I think that's really good. Uh, Manoa going in the mid 60s. There are still, you know, Max Freed 66. There's still a lot of values. I can keep going on and on. Musgrove and you Darvish, Framber Valdez going close to pick 100. I, I don't think it's, you know, crazy, crazy deep, but I think you can. There are a number of strategies that are really viable, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, you know, pocket aces, you don't have to do that necessarily, but you also don't have to just you know, take your first pitcher in the seventh round. I saw a couple of draft boards where, you know, your first pitcher off the board for a particular team is until like close to pick 100. There are a lot of different ways right. that, that you can go about it, specifically this year. Uh, the pool is looking very deep. Uh, we got a couple of questions on Twitter. Nothing, nothing too uh, hard hitting here, more so in the way of uh, fooling around. The Fantrax Toolshed boys had a little bit of fun here. Chris Clegg wants to know, and we should actually just take a second here. Congratulations to Chris on uh, his gig at Pitcher List. Uh, great job. Mm -hmm. Great job to both uh, sides of that. Nick, great job getting Chris. And Chris should do a fantastic job, especially because the Fantrax Toolshed is not going to be killed off like I initially thought when I saw that uh, that tweet. But Chris wants to know, what is or who is your favorite Survivor contestant of all time? I'm personally not a huge Survivor guy, but Simeon, what do you have to say here? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, my uh, my answer is um, going to be poverty, but it's like such a typical answer. <laughs> um, but she is uh, I just out of every season she's in just like she captivates me um, just the way she plays. And I think she's just so beyond good. Um, but then, too, I could say Tyson as well. I just think he's just extremely entertaining. But, so I'll just go with those two. But I feel like everybody would pick those two. <laughs> I literally – I've watched, like, a couple episodes here and there, but I've never sat through a whole season of Survivor. It's just never been mm, – never been. Should. not that it's like I don't like it or anything. I've just never really, like, given it a proper chance. They're still making new seasons. It's still still happening, right? Yes, it is. They still, they still make it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll give it a try. I'm sure it's on one of those streaming services or something. But just one last question here <laughs> uh, from Aaron Pags from Reliever Recon. Uh, MVP Baseball 04 or Mario Superstar Baseball 2005? <laughs> Is this some kind of inside joke that I don't know about? No. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're just probably considered like some of the better uh, video games for baseball. Um, but I always played MVP, so I'll go with that. Yeah, I played some MVP. I never played the Mario Superstar. Actually, maybe I did once or twice, but I'd go MVP. I, ever did. I was a 2K. I played a lot of 2K baseball when I was when I was growing up. I liked Wii baseball. You actually got to swing the controller around. Have you ever play any of those? You ever play that one? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was my gig. But thank you so much. Uh thank you so much for joining me here, man. I really appreciate it. I wanted to get somebody who knows a bit more about pitching than I do, and you know a hell of a lot about pitching. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you want to just tell everybody uh, about what you got going on, about the new venture that you've recently uh, kicked up with some great guys. Do you want to tell us all about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like you say, you follow me on Twitter. I just be streamer where I like, will tweet random things, but um, yeah, I, I started uh gain the edge fantasy. It's a Patreon with um, Mike Curlin, George Montanez. Um, you would probably know him as Bubba on Twitter, but Brian, and um basically we all cover different things but it's us four and uh we're just putting content out daily um in our for our patreon and then plus we have a discord chat and all that kind of stuff so um if you want to like you know get to uh some content that's behind a paywall it's not really expensive honestly um but we're going to be putting out some really good content we're putting together a draft kit and uh, we're all going to be doing different things in season. So there's just going to be a lot of content going on in there. The streamers are still going to be on Twitter or are they going to be behind the wall? So my streamer picks will be on Twitter. But if you want like the analysis behind it and the streamer chart that I've always done for free, that's going to be behind the paywall. But my picks will I'll still be tweeting. Great. That's awesome, man. You guys should go check that out. Go follow Michael at SP Streamer. Thank you once again uh, so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you guys can check me out at Joe Orico 99 at Ethos Fantasy BB, and also go check out sportsethos.com. We got a ton of stuff going on over there, baseball, basketball, football, everything you can think of. So, guys, until tomorrow, uh, take care and have a great night. Cheers. Cheers.